Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast, where we chat with our community about topics that interest you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast. I'm Alice Penn, Director of Marketing and Communications. Joining me today is Holly Kemig, 7th and 8th grade English teacher, and she's here to talk to us today about the topic of misinformation. Um, And this is a topic that's been in the news a lot lately. Um, So to begin, um, Holly, let's start with some definitions. Um, What's the definition of misinformation and how is it different from disinformation? So misinformation refers to any incorrect or misleading information. Um, Misleading is a key term here. It isn't just information that's 100% false, but it could be partial, vague, or biased information that is also considered misinformation. Disinformation is false information that is intending to deceive. So whoever posted it or wrote it created it with the intent to deceive. So a lot of misinformation is actually disinformation and is intended to deceive. And some information is just partial reporting, which might not be intended to deceive, but deceives anyway, because it's not giving the full picture of whatever event or update they are providing. Okay. So... Where are people consuming this information? Is it mostly, I guess, most of us get our information online. So is it social media and that kind of thing? Yeah, so social media is a very popular place for misinformation because anybody can post there and anyone can share anything. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even Snapchat is a place where misinformation is spread. And Pinterest actually is a place where misinformation is spread too. Wow, okay. Um, and I see you have WebMD in your notes. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm surprised at that one because I'm on there all the time. Yeah, so WebMD also has misinformation on it because um, it can be edited by um, people online who are not medical professionals. Um, and for that reason, um, it is not a reliable source of information and it is not a replacement for a doctor's visit. So unlike Wiki where you have to cite sources and it's heavily yeah. monitored, WebMD is not? You can just post? WebMD is monitored, but just like Wikipedia, if you, like for example, Wikipedia is monitored and you have to cite a source, but you could edit Wikipedia and your misinformation could be on there for an hour before one of the moderators True. noticed. Yeah. So if you just happen to go to Wikipedia within that hour, you might see something that's false. And it's the same thing with WebMD. And there are still pages on Wikipedia that I've been to that have unsourced information on them because there's just so many topics in the world that the moderators can't check every single page. Right. Okay. So um, what are some of the things that people can do to check whether information um, is misinformation or not? So the first and most important thing I think to think about when you are identifying misinformation is to check the source. So is this a reputable source like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal? Or is this something on a friend's Facebook page? Or is this something from a blog? If it's not a reliable source, what you need to do next is verify. So then you need to see if you can find this story in another publication or a trusted news site. If this story is only being reported in one place, it's probably not true. And then also, if the headline you're reading provokes outrage or makes you really upset or it's in all caps or it uses buzzwords, just use that as a red flag. Um, headlines that have misinformation are often written to provoke really strong emotions from us to get us to click on them, to get us to share them. But sometimes they're written in a way that's not entirely true. So it's just important to see that as a red flag. So that that's true of some of these reliable sources as well. They do, I've yes. Noticed, yeah. I've seen some 
reliable um, newspapers create headlines that are only part of the story that is the most outrageous part of the story, and then they make that the whole headline, and then pe- a lot of people will just share the article without reading the actual article. They just read the headline. That's a really good point, and I don't subscribe to a lot of these reliable yeah. um, journal things, so I usually read the headline, and then I just gather the gist of the story from the comments down yeah. below. So um, there's that, too, where you can not necessarily get the full picture of the story. Yeah. Um, what do you think about tools like Snopes and factcheck.org. I think those are great tools to use. Um, what those websites do is they try to they try to do the verify step. So they go around and see, did anyone else report this? Is this verifiable? And if it's not verifiable, they will either say, like, this is not verifiable. And if it's clearly false, they'll say this is absolutely false and we were able to verify that it's false. So I think that those websites can be used as a tool because what those websites are for is the verify step. And I think in today's world where we do things so quickly and everything comes to our screen so quickly, it can be kind of counterintuitive to spend time researching and verifying. So Snopes is like a good one-stop shop for like, is this true or not? Okay. And is there any chance there's misinformation on those platforms too? Probably, which is why the best thing to do is to verify yourself, you know, is to trust your own instincts and look for other websites. Because absolutely, there could be misinformation on any website. And newspapers have to, you know, report mistakes and retractions all of the time. That's you know? true. So yeah. any reliable source could have misinformation. It's just important to be critical when you're reading and thinking about, does this make sense? Do I see any red flags? Should I follow up and make sure that this is actually true? At least keep an open mind to the fact that it might not be yes. completely true. Yes. Well, um, so in terms of our students then, um, how does misinformation affect them? Where are they getting the information from? So many of our platforms, well, so many of the platforms have the age limits. I'm sure many students are probably on those platforms. Yeah. So a lot of the platforms have age limits, but they don't do anything to verify it. They just have you self identify as 13 or older. So a lot of students who are under 13 are on these websites anyway, because they just say they are over 13 when they're not. TikTok is really popular right now and is a popular source of information for students. In 2021, 63% of Americans ages 12 to 17 use TikTok on a weekly basis. So a lot of kids are using TikTok, even if they are not yet 13, they are on TikTok. Hundreds of thousands of videos have been posted with false or misleading information over the last two years. And they include misinformation about current events and about public health. Um, And that the New York Times found that even though they have that age limit on TikTok, the app has millions of users who are under 13. So it's important to be thinking about that because students, um, they look to these sites for information about the world. And sometimes the information they're getting is not true. And then they share that information with their friends and then the misinformation spreads. Well, that's what I was going to say because... For the ones who are not on the social media platforms, they're then getting the information second, third hand from their friends. Yeah, and it's even probably more false by that. Right, exactly. But yeah, the kids talk, right? And even if a student is not on TikTok, if their friend is on TikTok, their friend is going to say, hey, I saw this thing happen. And it might not be true, but they're getting it from their friend and they trust their friends. Um, So it's important to be thinking about um, TikTok. And again, a lot of these kids are on Snapchat. There's misinformation on Snapchat. Snapchat has a section with like, um, public interest and like entertainment articles now about mostly celebrities and influencers. But a lot of time the things they're reporting aren't even true and are just there to yeah. provoke outrage. And like anyone on Snapchat can access those articles. Um, and it's unfortunate because 
with students, you know, we really want them to be discerning about what content they consume. And it's our job as adults to help guide them, you know, and reach out to them and remind them that the information they're getting online is not true all the time. Okay. So I guess note to parents, um, you know, especially with older children, monitor your children's activity online. That could be the topic of a whole nother podcast. It could be, um, yes. Okay. Well, um, what are some of the ways that parents can protect children from misinformation? Um, Model finding a trustworthy source or model finding trustworthy information. Students look to their parents and to their guardians to see how they're supposed to behave in the world. So if you model for your student, like, hey, I just saw this headline, but I'm not sure if it's true. So here's what I do when I don't think something's true. And you model and show them, like, I verify it. I find another source. So pay attention to how you are talking about news with students and your children. And if you show them that you are someone who critically thinks and doesn't just accept everything for face value, then they're going to see that as, okay, so when I see news, I should verify it as well. And again, pay attention to the content they're consuming and give them access to resources with accurate information. If your student is really interested in a topic, they're going to go out and research that topic. So it's great for you to have resources on hand. So if your student is really interested in like a geopolitical issue, if you're comfortable talking to them about it, you can share trustworthy articles and resources with them so that they know where to go because otherwise they might look themselves and they might find false information so it's important to provide them resources there are great websites like um, news ela or newzella um, that has student child appropriate like stories about the news and what's happening right. in the world okay. and all the students um in congressional i think at least um in middle school have access to that through their gmail account and it has news about every topic but it's all edited for children so it's obviously appropriate and it's all fact-checked and so if they're really interested in something that's happening in the world you can say well why don't you see if there's an article on this website newzella and they can look at it and read it there and that way you know that they got correct information about that great all right well that concludes today's uh, podcast on the topic of misinformation just a very high level look at the topic um it's really fascinating thank you holly for taking time to share your thoughts and, uh, and it's such a particular topic uh, of importance for parents, especially for parents whose children are really starting to go online. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Congressional School Podcast. Learn more by visiting congressionalschool.org.